Hello and welcome everyone to episode nine of the Sideline to Sideline podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today I'm here with Michael. And we're going to talk about week one action. It's all done and completed now. And we're going to talk about the biggest takeaways from week one of NFL action. So I know it's on both of our lists. So we're going to start with what to make of Odell and the Browns. Oh man, Mike, that was they not good yesterday. They make my head hurt. Browns going to stay being the Browns. I want Odell to be good so bad, but Baker's just like, nah, bro, not happening. I'm going to miss him on a dig route wide open over the middle of the field. I didn't get to watch much of that game yesterday because obviously it became a blowout so quick. But- See, I've been really defensive of Baker over the last year, and I wasn't yeah, even yeah. a Baker guy. And then I was watching the game yesterday, and there was a play where I forget who it was. They were running a corner route, and he just missed him by 10 yards, just open, just blatant, clean pocket, no pressure. And I'm just like, I can't defend that anymore. I'm just done trying to. Yeah, you're going to have to eat that L. <laughs> it happens. If he turns it around now, maybe I was just a jinx. But, like, I can't defend him anymore. Remember when we all thought it was Freddie Kitchens? <laughs> Good times. Yeah, it's, and it was either Freddie Kitchens or it was having no offensive line. And they changed the head coach. They get two new tackles. And same Baker. Interception, first drive, just bad. Uh, I just... For my fantasy team's sake, I hope Odell turns around. But 10 targets for three catches and 22 yards, not promising. And the frustrating thing is, like, the volume was there. He had one bad drop. Besides that, though, there were multiple plays where he was open and they just missed him. I honestly think if you want Odell, you just hope that, like, the situation gets bad enough where they trade him and he can get a fresh start somewhere else. I agree, but to be a fantasy owner of – anyone on the Browns right now. <laughs> and, and, the, and the crazy part is, I think the only Brown I would want to own right now is Kareem Hunt. I can make a case for Jarvis Landry. Yeah, that's fine. Jarvis wasn't awful. He wasn't awful. But, like, but... Kareem Hunt, like, if they suck, like, they seem like they're gonna, he's going to be in the whole second half, all garbage time. And he played better than Chubb. And if when games go in that script, he's going to out-touch Chubb. So that's the only one I'd want to own. Yeah, at least I didn't draft him in the second round. Cleveland's going to be playing down a lot this year, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, I'd be panicking if I owned Nick Chubb right now. That's I wasn't the, on him at all anyways. Neither was – well, I have him in our dynasty league, so I'm going to have to go correct that one. That's, a little, that's, a, that's different, though. He could still be a long-term hold. If you don't trade him right now, that's for sure. Oh, you don't trade anyone right now, it seems like. There's a lot of players that disappointed week one that everyone had high draft stock in. Heck, my team in our league almost didn't crack 100 points. Yeah, I mean, Saquon Barkley got outrushed by Ben Roethlisberger on Monday night. What a great Monday night football game that was, both of them. Vic Vangio doesn't know how to manage the clock, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my takeaways is from that game, so we'll talk about it later. All right, sounds good. Do you want to start with your first takeaway? or? Yeah, sure. We can start with mine. So, my first takeaway is the Atlanta Falcons. I do have and them on my list as well. I just think that both of those receivers are going to be – that defense is just so bad. They're going to be passing so much every game that they had, what, 300-yard receivers week one? Yep. I don't think it'll be that extreme every week, but I think that there is enough volume to maintain two top 20 receivers in Ridley and Julio this year. I think that's fair to say. And I, I think, think Gage could be a fringe – he could be a fringe wide receiver three a lot of weeks, I think, too. Yeah, how many targets did he get this week? I think it was 12. All three of them had 12-plus at the very least. Yeah, it, it's just Gage had nine for 114 on 12 targets. 
<laughs> Julio had nine for 160. Calvin Ridley crushed my week. Oh, Calvin Ridley crushed my week so bad. He got the touchdowns. And he did. He also had 12 targets, nine for 130, two touchdowns on 12 targets. Even had a carry. So, so what do you think this means for Hayden Hurst? For Hayden Hurst, I still think this week could have just been an anomaly because Hurst looked good. He still had five targets. I think depending on the defense they play each week, it would be Gage or Hurst who gets a high volume of targets. And the other thing that needs to be brought up with this is Curly didn't get real involved in the passing game, which is kind of weird because he's a good pass catcher. He only had two grabs for one yard. Maybe it's the chemistry thing with no preseason, no real training camp. Russell Gage, Julio Jones, Calvary they were already with Matt Ryan before this. So Yeah, I mean, I think that Gurley is going to take a dip. He still had nice volume this week. 14, 15 carries, five targets, only two grabs. But his value isn't going to get better until they play closer games. And he didn't punch it in when he was in close. So No, I'm already taking my victory lap on Russell Gage, though. Yeah, was, Russell Gage looked good. 12 targets is phenomenal. I was all over that preseason. I had him everywhere. I would say Hayden Hurst could be a sneaky buy low. He could be. Maybe but I'll put him in my article. I don't know. There's a lot of tight ends that didn't live up to expectations this week. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, but I can tell you this, too. Just play Matt Ryan maybe every week in Daily Fantasy. They're going to be losing, and he's going to be chucking every game. I can get on board with that. And, I mean, he didn't even have a good game on Sunday, and he still had 28 fantasy points, 450 yards, and two touchdowns because he threw 54 times. If they're going to be losing and they can't run the ball well, then it's just a lot of Matt Ryan, and he's going to score fantasy points in garbage time, and it's just going to be a no-brainer. Is Matt Ryan the new garbage time king? Find out next time. <laughs> I mean, you look this week, and, like, the only thing that would scare you off this week, just a little insight, is Dallas could just run the ball all game and just not let him get on the field. But It's a good matchup. Yeah, it's a good matchup for sure. I'm not scared of Dallas's pass defense. No. I thought Robert Woods was about to have 15 for, like, 200 after that first exactly. drive. The Rams just aren't that good, but I'm not scared of the pass defense at all. So we're going to move into my first takeaway. And I just want to say, Austin Eckler, 19 carries, only one target. I feel like that needs to be talked about a little bit. Yeah, that's weird, too. I definitely didn't expect that coming in. And then I look into it as you're saying this, and I read from today, Coach Anthony Lynn suggests Eckler could see his pass-catching opportunities limited thanks to the team's new offensive scheme. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think. I think he's a hold right now, but... That definitely takes a knock off of his value as he's a great pass catcher and okay as a runner. See, what I want to know is why people are victory lapping Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because he didn't get any receiving work and he did great, but they're panicking on Austin Eckler even though he got 19 carries. I'll never get it. Yeah, like they had very similar workloads. It's just one score to touchdown. Not in the goal line, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean (laughs) – that was one thing that needs to be talked about is Hilaire had two targets, no catches. They were up all game, were able to run at will, but that's not going to be an every week thing. If he doesn't get more involved in the passing game, he could be in trouble fantasy-wise. I mean, I would never call him a sell high, but, I mean, if you could get one of these, like, top three or four backs for him, you might want to consider it. Oof, I don't know. That's going to be a wait and see for me. Like, for this season, who would you rather have? Starting today, from the re- here on out, would you rather have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Zeke Elliott? Ooh, that's actually I'm a taking tough one. Zeke. 
That's actually a tough one for me. I'd have to think about that. I'm taking Zeke as the guaranteed volume, more more involved in the pass game, and he's better around the goal line. I'd take Zeke personally, and that trade might be out there in some leagues. It's definitely out there in some leagues, but I don't know, man. It's more of a 50-50 toss-up for me. I feel like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could get the pass-catching work, and if he does, like... He could, but if he does get that work, he's Ezekiel Elliott, right? Or am I overreacting here? Zeke got the pass-catching work last year, and he had three grabs opening night with a receiving touchdown. That is true. I mean, it's going to be hard-pressed, like... If it's just this season, probably Zeke by a smaller margin than what you say. But if it's Dynasty or Dynasty, it's Edwards Hilaire. You don't even think twice about it. But in redraft season long leagues, it's probably Elliott. It's crazy how quick we already crowned Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor as two top five Dynasty backs. It took him one week. And once again, another teaser is another guy from that draft class I'll be talking about later. Uh, Did he drop one in the end zone this week? So I want to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about that. Ooh, that's a yikes. But it's your turn to bring up your you next know, takeaway. We, we can just go there right now. Oh, we can go there right now? Yeah, we can just go there right now. Oh, boy. This might be my biggest takeaway from week one, and it's because I'm a Lions fan. Big-time optimism about DeAndre Swift, even though there was the drop. He was limited all camp with a hip injury. Barely saw any work during camp. Everyone was just assumed he might not even play week one, that he'd be a healthy stretch. Turns out he played the most snaps out of any running back on our team. And that was in a game script that didn't favor him. Our defense is bad. Three of our top four corners are now out. We're going to be losing all year. We're going to be playing catch up. Stafford's going to be chucking it all game, every game. And that means Swift's going to be on the field a ton. He had five targets week one, three grabs. He scored a touchdown, should have had two. And his workload's only going to get bigger. AP's not going to be able to carry this, this workload all year. He's not going to get 20 carries a game. Carry on Johnson was unheard of. Just didn't even see the field barely. Third and snaps by a wide margin. And I see no reason that Swift's workload won't get bigger as the year goes on. Unless he drops a pass like that every single game and starts putting the ball on the ground. But I think Swift's workload will grow as the year goes on. And I think that was an encouraging first game considering the game script. I mean, AP had more touches, but he was on the field more than AP. And if they get in a game where they go down big early, it's going to be all Swift. And the way our defense looks, that could happen a lot this year. DeAndre Swift, by low. Heard here first. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of leagues where you could get him for next to nothing. Except I ours. Can't in my, I can't in our league because my <laughs> friends have heard me gas him up for the last three months, so they won't give him to me for nothing. But – there's a lot of leagues you could get him pretty low owned. I feel that with Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> I've gassed him up so awful. much too, and I can't get him either. This is why we got to stop talking, but we got to keep talking if you know what I mean. <laughs> Just talk to each other and no one we else. Can't, we can't talk to those guys. We got to throw them out of the loop a little bit. But yeah, DeAndre Swift looks really positive. He would have caught that touchdown. He probably wouldn't be cheap in many fantasy leagues. I'll say that much. But No, he would add 20 fantasy points, two touchdowns, and a four grabs week one. And led the team in snaps. I mean, the future is bright for him. The future is bright for my team. I mean, you could even t- get the takeaway from Hawkinson having a nice week one. We have a lot of good young talent. I'm excited. What's that like? Yeah. You can take our old players with bad hammies. Can we take your O-line too? <laughs> I don't know if you want it. That's going to be things I'm looking forward to in next week. But 
not even looking forward to. I'm just looking at it. I can't even look forward to it. <laughs> You're dreading it. I watched. <laughs> I watched Aaron Donald just ragdoll Zeke Elliott and choke slam him. I'm not looking forward to it. I saw him toss around Zach Martin. I don't even know what he's gonna do to Isaac Samalu. Oh my gosh, it's gonna be pain. The real question is: Does Carson once have over under two seconds to throw in that game? I'm just hoping he makes it out of the game, man. Alive. <laughs> Maybe just throw Jalen Hurts to the wolves and let your own line get healthy. Oh, gosh. Not even Jalen Hurts. We've spent too high of a pick on him, man. We can't throw him to the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should have Lane Johnson back hopefully next week. Yeah, he said he was playing, but still. <laughs> so that's good. But Yeah. Look at the positives. <laughs> we might have that's one about point, it. <laughs> we might have 1.5 seconds to throw the next week. Your right side will be safe. I, I hate it, but it is what it is. I'm going to go on to my next one, though, and something I'm actually eager to talk about. Are the Arizona Cardinals legit? DeAndre Hopkins looked really good. He also had more catches than all Houston wide receivers this week. Have to throw that one out there. Uh, I think their offense is legit. 14 for 151. I don't know about the defense. What you don't know about the defense guarding Jimmy G is three spin moves? And the George Kittle on one leg? George Kittle one leg, Jimmy G three I, spins. Kevin Coleman limited. No Ayuk, no Debo. I mean, they just went against a bad offense. I want to see more before I crown that team as legit. I want to crown I mean, Kyler Murray I think the offense legit. is really good. Yeah, I think the offense is really good. The defense, I don't really know where I stand there. They play Washington this week, so it's not like we get a true test this week either. But mm. <laughs> Not according to my team. <laughs> yeah, but – your team, I don't know. Pass. <laughs> Later. Yeah. Pass. Later. Yeah, but anyway, one thing I saw that was really interesting was Kyler Murray looks like he has perfected rushing at the quarterback position as he just knows how to slide and he knows when to give himself up and he doesn't take as much hits as Lamar does. Or yeah, Daniel I mean, Jones. Lamar takes big hits. Cam Newton takes big hits. I don't think I've ever seen Kyler take a big hit. No, that's because he – he does that baseball slide. Yeah. As you hear five times a broadcast, he knows how to baseball slide. So Exactly. Yeah. That's what I heard the whole broadcast. But It's just like every time the Lions play the Cowboys, you hear about Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford, our best friends. <laughs> uh, you remember when Chris Hogan played PSU lacrosse? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just uh, weird good things. Good times. But Mike, you're up. We're going to move right into it. And you're number four, My- I believe. My next one is the breakdown of what happened with Denver's running backs. Philip Lindsay has turf toe. We saw how much that plagued Juju all of last year. I mean, Mason Rudolph plagued him really well last year, too. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that didn't help. But now Melvin Gordon is going to be the guy. And he played pretty well, besides a bad fumble early. That was very bad. Wide receiver screen. Oof. But 15 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown, and he had three grabs. Yeah, that touchdown didn't make my I just think speaking easier. But. <laughs> it's one of those things where if you drafted Melvin Gordon, you're ecstatic. If you didn't draft him, I don't think you buy on him, and I think you kind of just have to I mean, let the it show go. There was Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell's hurt, so he obviously made a good choice. Exactly. And, I mean, Melvin Gordon looked pretty good, and – He's always been a touchdown guy, so that the offense didn't look too bad against a good defense in Tennessee. Maybe you hope they really struggle this week and you buy low on Melvin Gordon because Philip Lindsay is going to be dealing with this for probably most of the year. We saw how long did it plague Devontae Adams? A while, right? Last year? Yeah, after he torched Philly. 
Yeah. So, Turf Toe's not a joke. He's going to be the guy for a while now. Even if Lindsey plays, he's not going to be effective. So, if you can get in on him after next week, maybe I'd consider it because I think he could be what he's been his whole career, top 10 fantasy running back. I don't know about that, but I think top 20 isn't out of the question. I just top don't think top, lock. I just don't think he's top 10 because you have Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Saquon, CMC, Jonathan Taylor can make the leap, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can make the leap. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's so many names. I just don't. You think. look right after that list, though. He's in that next grouping, I think. He needs to do a little bit more for me in Denver. He they're, does. Like we haven't seen good. enough of it. We haven't seen enough of it. But neither was his old line with the Chargers. That old line was awful. True. That is factual. So I mean, I think I'd put him in that next grouping if he gets the touchdown variance. He could definitely be a top ten fantasy back. But we'll just have to wait and see on that. That's one of my wait and see kind of things. That got me triggered include that touchdown variance. We saw what happened with Chris Carson week one. He's so dust. If you have him, sell high. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was writing my sell high article. <laughs> I was putting Chris Carson right at the top. Chris so. Carson is so dust. Sell on him as fast as you can. Oh, my God. Six carries doesn't encourage me. But speaking yeah, of – He got outcarried by Carlos Hyde, didn't he? I think so. It wasn't even like he was that effective. He just walked into two touchdowns because Atlanta can't tackle. They really can't. At least it was a better display of tackling than uh, the Giants last night. <laughs> that, that was so bad, especially the James Washington touchdown comes to mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, the Giants fought, though. I'll give them that. Speaking of, the, speaking of the Giants, it transitions me right into my last takeaway. Do we fade every running back against Pittsburgh? I want to see how they do this week against Melvin Gordon. Because the Giants, they were hitting him in the backfield. His offensive line was just so bad. And it was bad, and he still found his way to 13 points. That's off of receptions, though. Yeah, but that's carries for six yards, man. (laughs) Yeah, he couldn't get anything going. I mean, there were times they were hitting him almost before he took the handoff. It was bad. I mean, if they do it again this week, they might just be, like, no-brainer. Everyone knew they were going to have a good defense. So it wouldn't be surprising if that's the case. I want to see another week, though. Shades of old Seattle. Yeah, target the wide receiver, too, that was going against Byron Maxwell. It's the only exactly. way you can do it. Darius or Slade had a big Shades game. of Atlanta. Target the pass-catching running back because they just play soft cover three. I'm eager to see if Pittsburgh keeps this up and if they truly do, you know. Yeah, if their defense plays like that, they're a legit Super Bowl contender. They really are. I mean, if you'd hold Saquon Barkley to six yards out of the backfield, their pass defense needs to be shorted up a little. Darius Slayton gashed or them a couple times. Nelson. Yeah, we're, we could do an essay on that one. We could sit here forever. You're going to have a weak point somewhere in your defense. You just got to hide it better. I mean, they do have Minka to hide it. They just didn't. But I think that might even speak more to Darius Slayton. Good football player. Yeah, future wide receiver one of the New York Giants, unless he already is. I think he is, but. I think he is, too. Should have made that investment in fantasy this offseason. But anyway, that brings us into your fifth takeaway from week one until we get into what we're looking for in week two. So I know what your last takeaway was, so I'm going to stay away from it. So... Well, that one was my last takeaway. Oh, was it? Oh, your next one. I know what your next one is then. That's my looking forward to. Not forward to at all, but... (laughs) So for my last takeaway, I'm going a little bit off the radar here. 
and it's going to be the Miami pass catchers. And you might wonder why I say that, but there's a player on my team in redraft that I think people should be taking a look at. And that's Mike Jacecki. Devontae Parker re-hurt his hamstring, left the game. Preston Williams is coming off an ACL. Wasn't all that effective week one. Nice target share, but wasn't all that effective. Mike Jacecki lined up more as a slot receiver and an out-wide wide receiver than he did a tight end in week one. When you roster Mike Jacecki, you're getting a wide receiver in the tight end spot. I know he didn't have the best week one, but long-term this season, I think he's a fantastic buy low, and I think he could be a league winner down the stretch. That was my big takeaway from what I saw in that game was how much they used him as a wide receiver. You know, owning Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, I don't like you saying that. <laughs> but it is what it is. The run game just wasn't it, especially Jordan Howard. Miles Gaskin, eyeballs. <sighs> Shades of old Kalen Balazs. Hey, he played, though. The rest of those running backs were just not that good. No. He outpaced them as a receiver and a rusher. Didn't see that one coming, but here we are. And that's one of the things that, like, you can adjust too quickly with no camp. We didn't know. Like, maybe he'd been beating them out all camp. Exactly. And we just didn't know. And, I mean, he's probably available in a lot of leagues as well. And I don't know if you want to own him. I mean, 13 touches. He ran pretty well, over four yards of carry. And he also had four receptions. He could be a sneaky one to take out of that offense as well. I'm just going to stay away from that offense, or at least that running back room. It's murky, man. Frida Howard and Gaskin. Yeah, it's really murky. I don't want no part of it. I'd stay out on Jordan Howard. I think if you really run a deep league, you can take a shot on Gaskin or Brita. Brita's already owned, so I don't know. I'm just going to stay away. There's not much appealing there. The passing yeah, games are very appealing, it. but... Yeah, and that's why I love Mike Jusecki. There you go. So we're going to move into our... What we're looking forward to in week two, five things. I have four because the fifth one I'm not really looking forward to at all, like I said. <laughs> but the first one is I'm going to pick on your team a little bit. Your team has a injured secondary. How many people are out? How many corners? Three, four? Okuda, Three Coleman. Three of the top four. Yeah. Trufant, Okuda, Coleman. Yeah, and they play the Packers this week, and I think everyone saw what Aaron Rodgers did to Minnesota. This man was stat padding to the extreme. My man Down close, let's pass it. He wants to stick it to that Green Bay front office for drafting a quarterback in the first round so bad. He might win MVP. Like, I, yeah. I think he could. He gets to play my defense twice a year. That certainly helps. 32 of 44 for 364 yards and four touchdowns. Devonta Adams just did terrible things to that secondary. <laughs> and it's going to be even worse than mine. Uh, Alan Lazard contributed it. Marquez Valdez-Scantling contributed it. I'm going to take my L's on those guys for now. Yeah, these look great. So, I'm excited to see what Aaron Rodgers could do. It's the revenge tour. It's not even the revenge tour against the former team. It's just against his own front offense. <laughs> it could get messy, too, because if he him doing this, they're going to have to eat it. And then, like, what happens with Jordan Love? How long does he sit behind Rodgers if he keeps this up? Forever. <laughs> and ever and ever and ever. I mean, as long as Aaron Rodgers is doing this, 
Yeah. I guess they can't complain. No, they asked for this. Can't wait till Aaron Jones scores 17 touchdowns and, you know, A.J. Dillon was a waste of a pick, too. He looks good, though. He got a couple carries, and he looked powerful as a runner. Let's be honest. They might tell Aaron Jones they're paying him, but they're not paying him. They've made those plans clear. So, Mike, what are you looking forward to week two? It's pretty simple. I'm going to look forward to the Seahawks continuing to let Russell Wilson eat. There have been talks of this in the offseason that he was going to be more involved. He came out and said it himself. The offensive coordinator came out and said it. And week one, he came out, and he was the leading rusher. They only had 16 carries from running backs, and he threw it 35 times. 31 of 35, 322 yards and four touchdowns. He was spectacular. Dare I say perfect. If he keeps that up, he might get his first MVP vote. <laughs> oh, it's not right. It's a flaw in the system. It's a disgrace. It really is a disgrace. But Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, they all look really good. And, you know, maybe he'll keep picking on bad defenses and good defenses alike because we know he could throw the ball like that against anyone. But anyway, that moves us into my second, what I'm looking for. And I'm looking at CMC's touch count. He had 26 touches in week one. So that puts him on his average. They said they were going to limit it. That offense is spreading the ball around to everyone. DJ Moore got a little bit of work. Robbie Anderson had that big play. Curtis Samuel got some underneath work. Teddy Bridgewater was spreading the ball around. And I'm just curious as to if CMC is going to keep his touches down or he's going to start, you know, getting those 30, 35 touch games again like he was doing last season and just taking over. That's the concerning thing is where I think the team is better. So he's not getting as many garbage time grabs where there were a lot of weeks he would bolster his value when they were down 20, 15 in the fourth and he'd just get four or five grabs and break one for a touchdown. I don't know if that's going to be there. I think he's the same spectacular player. I just don't think the garbage time numbers are going to be there. He still had a great week one though. That's because he got, what was it? Two touchdowns. Yeah. That always helped at the goal line, two rushing touchdowns. I just want to see him a little bit more involved in the passing work. I can't ask for much when he's, you know, the number one player in fantasy, but... Yeah, I mean, and that's where the issue comes in is they're just a better team. So I think naturally there's going to be some regression built in just from not being down as much. I know fantasy owners don't like to hear that, but that's just kind of what it is. Mike, do you want to lead us into your second? Yeah, I can do that. Sounds great. My next thing I'm looking forward to is seeing what happens with the Cleveland Browns this week. I'm going to use them on both sides. Oh, boy. <laughs> you could reasonably make the argument that they ran into a buzzsaw week one in Baltimore. Well, this week we're going to see if we were overreacting in the last segment or if they are legitimately bad. They're playing a Cincinnati team who I don't believe is that good. Primetime TV. Odell loves all the attention. That team thrives for attention. Well, they have a chance to get it. Everyone's going to be talking about them this week. They want to shut everyone up, dominate the Bengals on Thursday night. I mean, that would do it. Joe Burrow looked good in his first start. Oh, his last drive, I have to say. He looked competent. Tough spot for a first game. It's a very tough spot. But that last drive, he showed a lot of poise, a lot of leadership. Put him in position to tie the game, potentially win if it wasn't for an A.J. Green pass interference. And his, Which I think was a little tic-tac-y. I guess he pushed off. but It's debatable. I don't know if it was as bad as the one on Sunday night. but And then also his kicker blowing out his calf. 
<laughs> Did you hear the story about that? Yeah, I saw the injury report. He was holding the other calf. Yeah, the, <laughs> the injury report had on the left calf, and he was holding the right calf after the kick. So, yeah, so they just put on injury report there. calves? Question mark. <laughs> it's amazing. That's how. You, that's how you don't lose your job and get put on IR. Smart tactic, unlike Steven Kostowski, even though he won the game for him last night. He said he would have taken his pants off to make the last field goal. Do you know he dropped like significantly in field goal percentage like all time? Did he? I mean, I'm not surprised. He was. He probably third. missed more in that one game than he had missed in a whole year in New England. So he was third, and I think he dropped to seventh. I could be wrong though. It's, wow, it's, it's around seventh, sixth or seventh, maybe eighth. I know for sure he's down at least a fifth because two of the people that passed him are Chris Boswell and Robbie Gold, and I think someone else passed him. So that's crazy. Down to six in accuracy off of one game all time. <laughs> imagine if that stopped him from getting in the Hall of Fame. He's not going to make it anyways, but, but imagine if two, that would have stopped him. There's only two kickers in the Hall of Fame, man. Yeah, my kicker should be in there. Jason Hansen put him in the hole. I don't even know. I'm not adapt on the kicker Hall of Fame conversation. All I know is Justin Tucker should be in there. So when he goes, but as far as I know for kickers, my third, what I'm looking forward to is some RBs who got involved in the passing game that usually weren't in college or their first year in the pros. And I'm going to bring up Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor, who both got six targets in week one. What? And if Josh Jacobs continues that, I don't know what to think. I have no reason to think it'll continue, but everyone hoped it would. And I guess cutting theoretic and trading Lim Bowden kind of led to that. So Jonathan Taylor, I'll leave that to you. I don't really know what to think about him. It's playing with Philip Rivers, man. It's the Philip Rivers effect. Yeah, that's a lot of targets, though. 17 I, targets to the running back position. <laughs> I think I read 37% of his targets were to running backs. Yeah, it was, it was 17 attempts went to the running back. crazy. 11 to Hines, I'm pretty sure, and 6 to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor caught all 6 of his targets. If these two keep this piece up for pass catching with how good of runners they are, they're both easily in the top 5 conversation for their position. No doubt. Fantasy. We saw it with Jacobs week one. I mean, yeah, he scored three times on the ground. With Taylor, it's more believing in the talent because we didn't really see it. This is his first game. I think he did exactly. well enough. And the offensive line was banged up coming in. So, I'm but yeah, I, I believe in the talent. I think if you could in the league buy low on Taylor in a redraft. You ain't getting Josh Jacobs low after week one. No. <laughs> you have to wait at least a week on that one. No one's selling you, him after his three-touchdown week. You understand how good his game was after I brutalized you in our dynasty league. I scored 200 points. Yeah, you and Devontae <laughs> Adams and Josh Jacobs. It was – I, I should have took the week off. <laughs> yeah. I, that was a rough one. But if these guys keep it up, I don't think six targets is all that reasonable to be kept up by either of these guys. But if they can get three grabs a game – their value is going to shoot up exponentially with how good of runners they are. Yeah. And that's all it takes is just a little amount like that. That leads to 40, 50 catches. And that's a big bump. That was the number everyone was looking for with Josh Jacobs in the off season. That was the number. It's similar to Chris Carson last year. Yeah. Now Chris Carson's catching touchdowns. all the time. <laughs> He's dust with a broken hip. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I guess this moves us into your third week two observation. I want to see how the Rams running back situation plays out. That's one thing I'm looking forward to. I think Daryl Henderson's pretty much phased out. 
He's done. But between Akers and Malcolm Brown, I have no clue what to think. They were almost 50-50. Malcolm Brown looked a lot better than Akers, but they just spent high draft capital on Akers. So I just don't know what to think, and I just want to keep seeing it play out. Horrible matchup this week, so I just want to see how the snap share is distributed and the touches are distributed. I think Malcolm Brown does this every year, it seems like. (laughs) Malcolm Brown is that guy that everyone wants to buy on, but no one ever does. And now is his first chance to shine. He fizzles, though. He tends to fizzle. I know Gurley was there, though, but Malcolm Brown always fizzles out, it seems. And Cam Akers is going to win this job eventually. It's just win. That's the hope. They were close to 50-50 week one. And, I mean, I guess that's a good sign for Akers. I mean, especially after Malcolm Brown scored all those fantasy points. Yeah, I mean, that's about the only positive you can take out of it. Not much positive, but... I think Akers was also top five in running backs and broken tackles week one. I think I saw that somewhere, too, so... Jacobs was number one. Yeah, that's disgusting. 13 broken tackles week one. Not surprised. He didn't have the best matchup. He was the chalk, and everyone, you know, knew that coming in. And if you decided to eat the chalk, you paid off for it. If you didn't, well, yeah. Yep. Wasn't your week, man. Hey, I cashed without Jacobs. I don't even remember if I did. I had too many entries, and I didn't win enough in those. <laughs> <laughs> I cashed without him. But, yeah. So, I guess on to the next one, because I don't really much else to say about it. Yeah, on to the next one. I'm going to save that one for last. I'm just going to talk about Pittsburgh's passing attack. Load up on them. They're all involved. Chase Claypool had that really nice catch to open the half last night. Deontay Johnson, after that ball went off the back of his head, he looked really good. Yeah, definitely. Juju looked back like he was normal again, like last year never happened. Scored twice. And James Washington was surprisingly involved early. I want to load up on these guys. They're going to get the work. Yeah. With no James I mean, Conner. I own two of them. I'm trying to trade one. Yeah, that you are. Not too effectively, though. So that's a quick note there, but I just want to talk really quick about how scared I am for week two. I pray for you. I'm so scared. <laughs> I honestly do. I don't want my Your quarterback. Your offensive line has to be better. It can't be much worse. I don't want my quarterback to, you know. Die again. Die on the field. Aaron Donald had a 31% pressure rating. I saw that graphic on the broadcast. I'm like, wait, we play them week two. He was wrecking that game. Just absolutely wrecking that game. Felt bad, man. It felt really bad. And I don't know what to think for you guys. I pray for you that Miles Sanders is back. He's going to need to be back with all the RB dump offs. <laughs> it's going to need to happen. But, yeah, he's probably going to go against – I don't think they're going to line him up over the center with Jason Kelsey. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to line him up over Jason Peterson, Somalu, and just, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like, I need to say much more than what's going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, that's about it for me. That's about it for me, too. I'm scared to see what's going to happen in week two, but I'm also very excited for, that we get another week of NFL action. So that concludes it here for us on the Sideline to Sideline podcast. We hope to see you next time for our next episode talking more about week two. See you soon. Come on.